Remember when you were little and it was time for story hour or story time? Some libraries had someone who would read a book to you or at school your teachers would read books to you or maybe you were at home and it was time to tuck you in at night. I remember when I would sit on my mom's lap and she would read to me and I remember if I close my eyes I can see it clearly. I remember what it, it, it felt like to be small, to be little, and turn the pages and be excited about the color and the pictures and the texture of the pages and the smell of the book. I even remember the smell of my mom's breath. Now, that may sound gross, but honestly, when I was a kid, I used to call it story breath. Because when you're with your parents, it's always a sense of safety and comfort and warmth And I loved having my mom read me stories. And as I've grown up, here I am doing a podcast. It's really more storytelling. And yesterday I told some stories about some celebrities, and I got such positive feedback that I figured I would share some more stories today. So it's story time. Let's get into it. Good morning and welcome to Big Time Small Talk. I am your host, Jody Rollins. And as I've said before, I am a person that I generally record the podcasts in the afternoon or the evening. I've even done them late at night. Not really a morning person, but my stepkids were over last night and we were wrapping presents. So the night got away from me and I just did not have time to do the podcast that I have promised all of you. So I knew I could do it in the morning, but I definitely, I I have morning voice. I'm like, it just, it's weird when you, you have your voice going into the headphones and you hear like every difference or crackle that's not there in the afternoon or evening. So here we are. So it's fun to be able to say good morning. So welcome to story time. (laughs) Welcome to an episode where I just wanted to share some fun stories. And I have, um, let me see, I was trying to think about what types of stories to share with you guys. And, you know, I, I, as I mentioned in the cold open, I have met a lot of celebrities. And I talked about that on, uh, well, I was going to say yesterday's, but episode 27's episode 27, I talked about it. My sort of run-ins with Ted Danson and um, Steve Perry. And then I started to think about one of my favorite, well, there's two. Yeah, I guess there's quite a few stories. When you live in LA and New York City, you do meet a lot of celebrities. Excuse me. And um, so I have quite a few. I have a bag full of stories. So let's get into a couple of them. Um, One of my favorite stories is that when I used to work at this one steakhouse, I mean, I guess I guess it doesn't matter. I can say now. Well, just in case I won't say. I used to work at a high-end steakhouse. And we were right down the street from a major television 
studio and a major network. And just, I mean, when you live in LA, they're all over the place, but we literally were just right down the street from one of those um, late night talk shows, shall we say. And so we would get a lot of celebrities coming in there. We were down the street from, I can say this, Warner Brothers and some other channels. So we would get, you know, groups like cast members that would come in for lunch, for their lunch break. And then we'd also get different celebrities that would come in for dinner because they just left the recording of a late night talk show. So I had been scheduled to work, I guess it was in the evening. And so I come in for my shift and a couple of the girls are sort of buzzing and, and some of the guys and they're like, yeah, you know who was here today? You know who was here today for lunch? And I'm like, who? Jude Law. Now, for those of you who don't know who he is, maybe you should, you know, take a second and Google him or check out his IMDb Internet Movie Database because, I mean, he's been in a ton of stuff. The Incredible Mr. Ripley. I can't even think of anything less less more so, but back in the early and mid-2000s, he was everywhere and he was dreamy. I had the biggest crush on him. He's from England, and so he had one of those really, you know, there's all types of English accents, but his was very sort of breathy, and he would do his interviews and talk about how hard it was to, you know, really work for certain parts that he did, and the commitment, and, you know, working with Brad Pitt, and whatever. I just loved his voice. I have a thing about voices. Maybe it's because I talk for a living. I don't know. <clears throat> But I loved him. And I, I mean, even before he was really, really famous, right on the precipice, before he got incredibly famous, he was in this movie. Can't remember the name of it. I had seen it several times. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, this guy Jude Law. And people would be like, who? I'm like, okay, well. <clears throat> so then he got really popular with all these films. And so when I get to work and they're telling me he came in for lunch, I was so pissed that I missed him. I'm like, are you kidding me? And so I, I walk back into this section and most sort of high-end restaurants have a little thing they call the service bar, which is where we get our drinks as servers. You know, it's attached to the actual bar where the customers get their drinks and maybe eat at the bar, but it's a little side room and there's a little window where you can look into sort of the back of the bar and look into the faces of people who would be seated at the bar. And so I'm standing at that window and I'm like, I cannot believe that I didn't get to see Jude Law. And I turn around and he's right there at the bar looking at me because he heard my name. I mean, he heard his name come out of my mouth. And I'm like, oh, I love your movies because he heard, you know, like Jude Law and he kind of looks up like, yes. I was like, I love your movies. He's like, thanks. Thanks very much. And I was like, oh my God, I felt like the biggest idiot. I could not believe he was right behind me when I'm like, you know, all forlorn because I didn't get to see him. And so to have that happen and have me like, it felt like a movie. Like I still can see it in slow motion where I'm like, oh, uh, uh, 
yeah, I just said your name. I didn't even know what to say. It just kind of fell out of my mouth. I love your movies. Thanks. Thanks very much. And he was sitting there with um, Selena. What is her name? Like Gomez is the first name that comes to mind. But <clears throat> she's uh, another Brit, another British actress. Selena something or another. Uh, you guys can Google it. But they dated for a while. Really pretty. And uh, so <laughs> that was my experience with Jude Law and to go from, I'm so upset that I didn't get to meet him. <clears throat> Sorry, morning, morning throat. To go from, I didn't get to meet him to, oh, there he is in a split second <laughs> was something I will never forget. And I will never forget his thanks. Thanks very much. So, um, Anyway, so that is my Jude Law story. So this next story is fun because I, um, there was a time, you know, I think as young women, and I, I don't know, I guess I should speak for myself, I would have all these different crushes on celebrities. And, you know, it's, it's not real. You know that you'll never meet them. Um, it'll never be anything. So it's just kind of pointless. But you know, you always have this fantasy when I lived in New York, it was like, maybe I'll bump into John F. Kennedy Jr. Jr. Maybe he'll fall in love with me, which of course, you know, that's not how it works. But you have the fantasy because they become a little bit more, I mean, they're real people, but they become a little bit more real because they're all over the place, especially in Los Angeles. I mean, I remember one time I saw, um, what's his name? T is it Tim? Tim? Oh my gosh, the guy from, uh, this is why I need to report, record podcasts at night because my brain isn't working. The guy from Shawshank Redemption, Tim Robbins. Thank you, brain. I remember I was just sitting at a stoplight and I see him driving by. I'm like, that was freaking Tim Robbins. Okay, so back to my other favorite story. Um, let me see. You know what? I just got a text message that seems important. So I'm going to take a quick break and I'll be right back. Stay with me. Okay. Welcome back. Thank you guys for letting me take a quick break. I, I try to record this show in, in the most authentic way possible because it would be very easy to just record another, you know, segment and act like that never happened. But this is my life, and I like to share and obviously talk because this is a podcast. <clears throat> Excuse me. But um, I definitely, I, I sometimes, you know, life happens. You get a text message, and I actually thought I would, well, I'm trying to think if I should share this with you, but I'll share the general details. But it was from my stepdaughter. And for me, like, when she texts me and something serious is happening, I just drop everything. So, I mean, she's an amazing young woman. And for those of you who are step-parents or had step-parents, it's, I guess it's a little different, different if you had a, a step-parent, but if you are one, you know, it is the hardest thing you will ever do. And I've said this before, and I'm sure being a birth parent obviously is difficult, but step-parenting adds an, an additional level of complexity. And so for me, I just work really, really hard to just be whatever my stepkids need whenever they need it. So 
she texted me and she had something going on that was relatively serious. Everyone's okay, but I just wanted to be there for her. So <clears throat> we are back to talking now about celebrities. And again, I apologize for my morning throat. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Okay. So now here I am back in Los Angeles. And again, this is the mid 2000s. And there was a time when I absolutely adored this one rapper. And like, this is what I was saying before the break that I would have these little mini crushes on different celebrities. And it was just fun to, you know, imagine that maybe <laughs> someday you would meet them and they would marry like a normal person instead of another celebrity or, you know, producer, and that would be me. But, you know, I had my feet firmly planted on the ground, but it was definitely fun to entertain. And so one day I'm, I went to breakfast with like three or four of my girlfriends to one of my favorite, it was like this really cool diner called Swingers, which had nothing to do with swinging, but it was really cool. And it was like really hip and trendy. It was dark. And then the waitresses would wear like all black or like mini skirts and these clunky black boots. And the, the bus boys would be like these guys with like a chain attached to their wallet. And, you know, like it was very sort of gritty New York, but in the middle of like <clears throat> West Hollywood, which if you're not familiar, West Hollywood, very trendy. It's the next town over attached to Beverly Hills. They sometimes refer to it as Boys Town because there's a lot of gay men that live there and it's just really shiny and pretty. So there's this kind of nothing special as far as prices, gritty, but fun, trendy diner. So we go there and we're sitting in this back booth and um, we're just chit-chatting like girls do, you know, waiting for our food or eating. I don't remember. And I hear this voice behind me. And I'm like, that sounds like Common. Common is the name of the rapper. And if you haven't ever heard his voice, just speaking, forget his music. I honestly, I've never paid any attention to his music. He's just beautiful to look at. And I love his voice. I don't own any of his music. I couldn't name any of his music. I've just seen him in interviews and he does some acting. Again, his name is Common. He's this beautiful, like caramel skinned black guy. And I think he has like these freckles and oh, he's just dreamy, but he has this low kind of velvety voice. Actually, if I can find, let's just go out <clears throat> on a little whim here. I'm sitting at my computer when I record this. Let me see if I can find a little snippet of common. Hold on. on this is great podcasting all right so here we go i'm just going to click on the first interview that pops up this is from msnbc let's turn this up okay let's see i'm not authoring at that level i'll say that but but i do i am very um i just love the grittiness grateful and inspired that this book is is out and that I was able to, to tell a lot of my truth or write a lot about my journey to love better and love um, in a greater way for myself, for my loved ones around me, wow. for strangers, for the world. And uh, I think it's, you know, it's, it's something that in my life I want to, from my experiences, be able to tell my experiences so that it can, it can help others. 
Okay, so maybe that's not the best quote, but I mean, he's like, he's a little kind of hippie and like talks about love and hope and positivity. So I love that. But I don't even know if that clip really like, like communicates what I love about his voice. But I think you can hear like the gritty kind of velvety. I just, his voice to me is dreamy. And so I'm sitting at Swingers and this guy's talking and I'm like, that sounds like common. Now, yes, celebrities are everywhere, but I literally heard a sentence and I was like, that, and that's my little snap, <laughs> that sounds like common. So I casually turn around because I don't want to get caught staring and it's him. He's obviously on a date and you can hear a little bit of the conversation. We're not trying to eavesdrop, but it's a new thing. You can tell it looks like it's maybe their first date, really cute girl. And I'm like, my friends are like, how did you know that was common from just hearing his voice behind you for like two seconds? And I'm like, I don't know. I have a thing for voices and accents and, you know, all of that. And so it's just my thing. But to hear him and turn around and boom. It is him. I mean, I shocked myself. I'm like, can I get paid to like recognize accents and voices? Is there a job somewhere? Because obviously I got some skills. No, there isn't a job like that that I'm aware of. But if there is somebody, call me, text me. Um, so it was just really neat to be like, eh, that sounds like common. And it was him. And so I remember like, I was just like, okay, I don't, I don't want to eavesdrop, but you can't help but sort of listen a little bit. And they were almost finished with their meal. And I remember he kind of got up and pulled her chair for her. And he was such the perfect gentleman. Like, you know, rappers, I was going to say they get a bad rap, no pun intended, but some of that is deserved. I mean, if you come from the streets of like Brooklyn or wherever, and you grew up in the hood and you were, you know, selling crack and in gangs and a lot of rappers were not all there's, there's like, you know, tough, like thugness that goes out in your, your persona. Wow. That was a weird sentence. So it's that rappers are known for being bad boys. I guess that's what I want to say again, not all, but many, but common has never been that. He's always been sort of this peace and love guy. And so to be able to turn around and hear him and see that he's like this perfect gentleman and he has like the, like a dimple. I have a weakness for dimples. I don't know if he has one or two, but I mean, and like a twinkle in his eye. I was just like, oh, yeah. So that was my common story. And then he and his date walked, you know, out to the door and I never saw him again. That was our relationship. But I just loved that I was able to just hear his voice for a second and know it was him. It was just a really neat experience. <clears throat> now, transversely, I never get, is it conversely or transversely? I get those two mixed up. So whichever one is appropriate, versely. Um, something that was not as much fun, but I'll never forget it. So this celebrity, um, again, I was working at the same high-end steakhouse. This time it was in New York and it was several years earlier. This was in the early nineties. And this person is not just famous. They are infamous. Everyone knows who this person is. 
and everyone knows what this person did or whatever you choose to believe. And this person came in to the restaurant. Who was it? Well, I'm going to tell you coming up right after the break. Stay with me. Welcome back. Okay. So it's the year 1990. Let me see, probably four or five. And one of the biggest trials of the century, and that's last century, which is crazy, and probably even of this century, because we just don't see trials anymore. It's just not the same. A lot of judges don't allow it. Have you guessed what that was, the biggest trial of the century? The O.J. Simpson trial. Now, for those of you who are too young to know or remember, or for those of you who have forgotten, O.J. Simpson was accused of murdering his wife and a waiter from a restaurant. His wife had gone to a restaurant for dinner or lunch, I don't remember, and had forgotten her sunglasses. And this particular waiter, they had been friends or something. I don't know what their relationship was. I don't remember, but they knew each other well enough that the waiter went to drop off the sunglasses back at um, OJ's wife. Was it Nicole Brown Simpson? That was her name. It was Ron Goldwyn, Gold, Gold, Goldwyn? Ron Gold something. And no disrespect to him, I just don't remember. And Nicole Brown Simpson. And OJ was accused of murdering them. Such brutal, brutal murdering. I mean, stabbing and so on. So you can Google it if you don't remember. <clears throat> but this trial, I mean, everything that led up to it, there was a, a car chase where he was like threatening suicide and all these people would watch it. And it was like, we're watching it. It was on the news. It was on every channel where he was in this Bronco and it just, it was a mess. <clears throat> and uh, so he the trial was on television and everyone was glued to this case and if you weren't at home watching it you were watching it while you were at work this is pre-cell phones pre-laptops pre-google pre-internet so you just had to watch it on tv or call your friends and hear about it or dvr it and well back then it was called vcr you know record it and go home and watch like it was titillating and insane and so then he was found not guilty and it was just like this wave rippled through the country and i always believed that he did it and i was shocked and i think you know a little side trip here for a second many many black people also believe that he did it but they just felt vindicated because the the criminal justice system is so slanted away from us and not in our favor that you know, hundreds of years of not just slavery, but discrimination, um, uh, murdering, black men and women hung from trees, um, black men charged with crimes for things they didn't do, killed, like all of this stuff. So for once it felt like a black man could get the criminal justice system to work in his favor. And that's what people felt. Now it had nothing to do with 
whether or not Nicole deserved better. It was just a whole nother topic for a whole nother show. But it was a sense of feeling like, wow, a black man can get the legal system to work in his favor, which was a shock to many. Early 90s, this is a different time. Now that I may believe, I may have believed as well, but I also believed he freaking did it. And so it was such a shock and I was so disgusted. I think this guy is a murderer and he was so cavalier and just, you know, like kind of like, well, I got away with it, <laughs> you know, and doing stupid interviews and just dating new women. And just, he just went on with his life. So one day it was like, so it was, had to have been 93 ish. No, I'm sorry. It had to been 94 because, um, it was just a few months after the trial and we had been told here I am again working at this restaurant, the steakhouse. And we had told, been told that OJ was coming in. And usually we don't know when celebrities are coming, coming in, but they wanted to prepare us and make sure that, you know, they called ahead to see if there could be a private room where OJ and his attorneys could eat dinner and um, kind of be away from glaring eyes. So they had this, we had lots of, private rooms in this particular restaurant and well not lots but three and so <clears throat> we knew he was coming in and I'll never forget so I was standing um sort of towards the back of the restaurant where at this particular steakhouse you you get your food it's called the line and that's where they get your side dishes and your steaks it's kind of like a countertop and then behind the countertop is the kitchen where everyone's cooking and I'm not exaggerating. I'm just in there and they always played Frank Sinatra music. So in the background, you hear like, luck be a lady tonight. Da, 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 da. Luck be a lady tonight, whatever the song was. And a hush fell over the restaurant. I am not kidding you. It was like just clinking and, you know, people eating and forks and cheers and chit chat and conversation and the, the sort of low white noise and hum that's in every restaurant. And this was a big place, high ceilings. And this hush fell on the restaurant. And it was like silence, except for the sound of the odd clink of a fork or a little bit of the music. And I can see it again in slow motion. And I, I turn to my left. And as I'm turning around, I see OJ. He kind of walks funny. I guess he's got bad knees or whatever. I don't know. But I see him walk by me. And he's got the biggest hands. And you could tell he has like arthritis or something. Or at least that, that's what they look like to me. And I see Barry Schecht, his attorney, and a couple of other attorneys. I can't remember. I think it was... Oh, I don't remember the guy's name. He started LegalZoom. Um, Bob Shapiro. God, I can't believe I remember these names. It was like characters on a TV show. And this new, you know, hottie patati chick that he had been dating, you know, on her little stilted stilettos. And they walk by and I start to sweat because I, and I remember the thought process I had. I was like, those are the hands of a murderer. Like in your lifetime, you don't know murderers, at least I don't. I mean, maybe there's somebody who murdered somebody who you don't know that they did that. Or maybe you have friends or family that are in jail or something and maybe you know somebody, but I don't. And the average person doesn't know murderers. 
And so as I'm sweating and it's like I said, it really was like in slow motion and the quiet in this restaurant as they all single file walk by and OJ's just giggling. He's like, hi, hi folks, kind of waving and like looking at people like, hey, I'm here. I'm somebody all arrogant, disgusting. And so they kind of go past me and they walk off down to the down the hall into the, the private dining room. And I was just like. I looked around at the room and everyone was like staring at him and watching him go down this hall. Everyone in this huge restaurant. And then the hush just ended. And everyone was like, you know what I mean? Like it just came back and it was like a, a crescendo, which is a musical term for like when the music rises to great strength, you know, it's like, duh, 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 you know, and it was like the room was filled with electricity because everybody was like, oh, my God, that's OJ. Like for six months before this moment. We had heard every OJ steak knife joke you could possibly hear because I work at a steak knife. I mean, I work at a steak knife. I work at a steakhouse and they have these big wooden handled steak knives and and people would just make, oh, is that the OJ knife? It, like the joke got old. And then there was also the racial stuff where people would feel awkward talking about it because they're like, oh, she's black. She doesn't believe that he did it. So we better not talk about it. Like I would walk up to tables and they'd be like, and you know that OJ did it and he's going to be, oh, um, <laughs> hi, um can we get some more coffee? And they would shut the conversation down because they didn't want to deal with anything that had to do with race. The 90s were a very, very, very different time. I need to do an episode about my observations about how things are different now versus them. I mean, when you sort of live your life, it's just such a slow pro progression that you don't really notice till you look back. And, you know, obviously, if you're an older person and you're like 80, 90, 100, and you look back, you have a whole bunch of change. But as it starts to happen after you turn 40 and so on and so on, um, it's like, oh, wow, I've lived through some stuff and I've watched this country change. So the 90s were a different time. And so now that everybody's back to hustling and bustling and talking and this, this, this rush of like, it's like the air was sucked out of the room and then it was just put back in. As soon as OJ was out of sight, it was just weird. And we're all kind of all the servers. Thanks. My dog's going to bark. She always barks at the UPS guy. She hates the UPS guy. Hopefully he just drove by. Um, but it, all the servers are kind of looking at each other like, Oh my God. Can you believe that just happened? Like, it just was weird. Like, you could feel the energy shift in the room. I've never experienced anything like that. And so then they had, I think, usually for a party, I think it was like six or seven, maybe eight people. I can't remember. Usually for a party that big, you would have two servers. And so I remember this one server, his name was Gordon, and he was waiting on the party. And so um, I'm going about the rest of my evening waiting on my tables, which are in a different section of the restaurant. No OJ for me, thankfully. I, I Honestly, I don't know. I would have been so nervous. It's already nerve wracking when you wait on celebrities as it is. But like someone who's infamous, it's just weird. So he came out a little bit later in the evening, Gordon, the waiter waiting on OJ. And I'm like, so what's going on? How is it? What's it like in there? And he's like, well, actually, I was walking around the table to take more of the orders and I tripped 
over OJ's duffel bag and he made a crack. He said, Oh, be careful. There's a bloody, there's a bloody knife and some gloves in there and yucked it up. <laughs> like what the actual fuck? If you didn't kill your wife, you don't act like that. You don't make jokes like that. The arrogance of this man, the fact that he was just able to joke about a bloody knife and some gloves shows that he didn't care at all. And he was just proud to get off. Like, oh, he was just disgusting. I, I couldn't believe it. So, I mean, I don't know, maybe I could because the fact that he was arrogant was very obvious from the get go. So that was my OJ experience. I don't remember him leaving that night. I don't remember anything else about that night, but I will never, ever forget that. It was just, whew, I'm just thinking back about that. And you know what? The only other time a small hush fell over the restaurant was when Donald Trump came in. And this was definitely like 1993 because I was working as a hostess at this same restaurant and I hadn't worked my way up to being a server. When you work as a hostess, you make eh, money. But when you work as a server, you make exponentially more money. So it's like you have to earn your way. If you've never waited tables before, you have to hope a manager will give you a chance. Like it's a whole thing. Otherwise, you have to have a ton of experience. And if you don't have it, you better go get it somewhere else. So I got really lucky with this particular restaurant. Thank you very much. I earned lots of money because of this place. <clears throat> So the only other hush, like I was saying, was when Donald Trump came in. And this is back when he was just a real estate mogul, we'll say a tycoon, whatever. <laughs> we know the truth now. He doesn't pay his taxes and we won't get into all that. But I didn't know who he was. I grew up in Colorado. I, I didn't know like big business New Yorkers. I knew nothing. And everyone was like, oh, Donald Trump's coming in. Donald Trump's coming in. I'm like, who? And they're like, oh, he's a real estate guy. And so he came in, he walked in the doors, and he, it's pretty much like what you guys see now. He was taller, younger, thinner, a lot thinner. And he just kind of like, he strode in, and it was like he was on some kind of publicity tour. He was like waving and shaking hands, and people were like, you know, sort of like kowtowing, almost like he was some sort of king, like, oh, Mr. Trump. And like, because we would get all these businessmen and these uh, brokers and traders who knew this guy was money. So it was like, oh, my God, I have a chance to meet Donald Trump. Oh, like they were treating him like he was some sort of God. And so he was just smiling again and shaking hands and like kissing babies. There were no babies. And the hush fell across the restaurant. Not the same as when OJ was there, but it was just like, oh, Donald Trump, you know, and he had like his, he had a long, um, like a long wool coat on and it was almost like waving in the wind as he walked, you know, it was like his, his king cloak. So, and he was just smiling and just all full of himself. But yes, that was my experience with Donald Trump. I have seen him with my own eyes in person and he definitely was tall. I remember that and wide and he's he was big that's the thing he's just he definitely has a presence so i get it for people who are infatuated with him if you believe his lies and you get to meet him and see him he has a presence he has that it factor love him or hate him it is there so i did get to experience it for myself Ugh. 
So anyway, I I have to say, like I said on the ep- other episode the other day, <clears throat> I have been lucky enough to meet a ton of celebrities, and I'll, I definitely should share some more stories with you guys. You know, as time goes on, and some of them will start to come back to mind, and you know, it's like, oh, I hadn't thought about that one, and some of them are, I'm like, ooh, god, that celebrity. But I have to say, overall, the majority of them were nice and positive and pleasant. And the things that stuck out the most were when I first moved to LA and I got to see, you know, people I grew up watching. Do you guys remember? And this is for us old timers. There was a show called um, the bionic woman. (laughs) It was in the seventies. So if you have, if you're in your twenties, you'd have to Google it and see what I'm talking about, but maybe you've heard of it. And there was a character by the name of Oscar Goldman. And he was like, I don't know what he was. He was like some kind of secret agent or something. And he came into a restaurant I, I worked in once. And I was just like, oh, my God, that's Oscar Goldman. And then I other time I saw, um, what was her name? Uh, oh, my gosh. On Facts of Life, she played Joe. Nancy, Nancy McKeon. Remember Facts of Life? Again, for those of you who grew up in the 80s like I did facts of life was a huge show. It was like about these teenage girls and they were in this private school. So she played Joe and I was just like, Oh my God, it's Nancy McKeon. Like to see these people that, you know, you were young when you got to watch them only in a little square box walking by you or getting to talk to them was fun. You know, I got to meet Jodie Foster and the funny thing about her, this huge actress, right? Oscar winning. She's a producer, director. She's so talented and beautiful and has been in in the business since she was five. I knew who she was, right? Everybody knows or most people, maybe not so much now because she doesn't do as much. But back in the 90s, she was an A-lister, like everyone knew who she was, Jodie Foster. And so I'm working at this other small restaurant and she comes in and I take her to her table with her friend. I don't know who she was with, maybe her wife, because she is gay and or her girlfriend. I don't know. And then so I go back to my little host stand and someone's like, oh, my gosh, can you believe Jodie Foster is here? And I'm like, where? I'm looking around. What? Where? Where? Where is she? And they're like, you just took her to her table. I'm like, that's Jodie Foster. She's so tiny little itty bitty thing i think she was like five two or five three and the funny thing is about celebrities is in your mind you decide subconsciously how tall they are and then you expect them to be that height and then when they don't fit that it doesn't make any sense like let's just see how is jody foster how tall is she i just googled it let me see so she's 5'3". In my mind, I mean, she's got these ice blue eyes, this, you know, this pronounced jaw and this beautiful blonde hair. And I just thought she would be like f- between 5'7 and 5'9". Don't know why, just thought she would be. And again, it wasn't ever a conscious thing like, I've decided Jodie Foster is this height. But that's who she was in my mind. And so when I, t- I'm, I as I've said before, I'm 5'7", and so usually I would wear heels to work, so I'm, I'm at least 5'9". So here she is at 5'3", I'm just walking this little person who didn't have a lot of makeup on. She was just wearing like, you know, casual clothes, nothing wrong with that. I just didn't believe it was her. So I, of course, made a beeline to walk right by that table. I'm like, 
oh, I'm like trying to look at her, you know, <laughs> just checking the tables. Let me look at her. Oh, yeah, that is Jodie Foster. You know, you don't want to get caught. So that was my experience with Jodie Foster. She was nice, polite, but very pedestrian. You would not know her from anyone. She could easily blend in to, you know, regular society. And she did. She wasn't being followed by paparazzi or anything like that. And I remember I did see Paris Hilton once. I'm going on and on and on. I'm supposed to be ending the show, but I'll just end it with this. I did see Paris Hilton once. And that was my the only time I ever saw a ton of paparazzi. There were other times when you would see a couple here or there. But I was sitting at this place called The Grove, which is an outdoor mall. And they have all these little restaurants and cafes and all these great high-end stores. And I'm sitting there at the outdoor patio of this restaurant and you're like click 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 a flash and i'm just like what the heck no joke there must have been mm, 20 paparazzi in like enshrining around paris hilton just flashes and she was just sort of like posing and walking and posing and walking and pretending to be on her phone which that was a thing she was known to do which again for some of you younger folk who listen, you're like, Paris Hilton, like, I think I've heard of her. She was the it girl. She was Kim Kardashian before Kim Kardashian was Kim Kardashian. She was everywhere, like paparazzi, mogul, every tabloid, every everything. So that was the only time I ever saw just a ton of paparazzi just gathered around a celebrity. And again, same thing. Everybody's like, oh, who's that? What's going on? You know, just watching her walk by like with this crowd of people following her. So that was pretty interesting. But the thing I want to close out with is to say this, you know, I personally think it's fun to see these celebrities. I know there's a lot of people who say like, oh my God, they're just people. Like, what's the problem? Like, oh, yuck. Like our uh, society's messed up because of celebrity. And that's something that we could definitely talk about and debate. And I can't say I would necessarily, necessarily disagree because celebrity has definitely affected this culture. But I just look at it at, in this case on its face which is that it's fun to see people that you've watched on TV. It's fun to see people that you've seen in the movies, people that you don't think you'll ever touch or see in, in person or ever experience, or, you know, some of them smell a certain way. I mean, I remember Dolly Parton. She had this beautiful perfume and she just sort of bounced and floated into the room because she's a tiny little thing too and full of bubbly and sparkle. And she's like magical, like a little pixie fairy. Like she's amazing, like a the fairy godmother you always wish that you had that we none of us have. So for me, it was really exciting to see these celebrities and waiting tables not always so much fun. A lot of abuse, a lot of, you know, people pointing fingers and I didn't ask for my steak that way and getting yelled at and, you know, sometimes bad tips and a lot of physical labor where you're carrying all these boxes and plates and trays and, you know, your back would hurt and your feet would hurt and it's just long hours, 15 hour shifts sometimes. But the positives, besides the flexibility and the money, because the money was good, when you work in fine dining, it is good. I mean, everybody I knew, we all made between, and this is in the 90s, between sixty dollars and $100,000 a year. Like, it was good a good living. It's a good living now, but it was a really good living then. So seeing these celebrities was just like the icing on the cake, the magic. The It made you feel like, oh, this is, I get to see these people. 
you know, if I was back home in Colorado, I never would have. And, you know, there are people living in Iowa and Idaho and Mississippi who will never. So, yes, there are people just like you and I. And I don't mean to elevate them to seem like they are above all of us. But it was fun. And it's still fun when I see celebrities. It's rare now because I live in the desert of Southern California, but sometimes they're out and about in San Diego when we go into San Diego or, or LA. It's fun and it's, it's exciting. And so I wanted to conclude this story hour by saying that. That's what I enjoyed. Every single one of those experiences was pretty special in its own way whether it's turning around and seeing Jude Law or turning around and seeing Common or even seeing Donald Trump, God help us all, it was exciting. And um, I wouldn't change any of that. I would prefer OJ be in jail, but that's my story and I'm sticking to it.